she still does training a couple times a week. She goes for walks, uh, but she and I have done a lot together. We've been through our twenties. <laughs> like she's been with me in my twenties, thirties, and forties. She was in my wedding. We've been on vacation. We spoke at conferences. We have gotten married. I've gotten married. She was with me. We've had a kid. She was there too. You know, we've done a lot in our 13 years together. We have done a lot of things. And Uluru, the training program is her legacy. Like I know she's not going to be around forever. I hope she's around a lot longer, but she's done what she needs to. She can leave anytime she'd like. I'll have her as long as she stays. Hi, welcome back to Telltale Dog, the podcast. I'm your host, certified dog trainer, Elizabeth Silverstein, and I have with me Nicole Skian, um, also certified dog trainer, the owner of Philly Unleashed and Uluru Virtual Training. Hi, Nicole. How are you? Hey, Elizabeth. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm doing well. I know I've interviewed you a few times for some articles on my website, but this is the first time to have you on the podcast. So I'm excited. So for everyone listening, Nicole was actually the whole reason why I became a dog trainer in the first place with the farm at Philly Unleashed and giving me that uh, internship way back in 2017. So I wanted to have you on because I'm going to have you back on to talk more about kids and dogs down the line. But I'd love to talk to you about your journey at this point about becoming a dog trainer and then also touching on Uluru virtual training because I think you have something special with that. I'd love to delve into all of that a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And Liz, thank you for the kind word. It was all my pleasure to have you. And whenever you decide to leave where you are and come on back (laughs) to the suburbs of Philadelphia, you have a home all the time here. So we miss you every day here, but I'm glad that we get to stay in connection. Absolutely. Whenever Philly Unleashed comes up, um, I still have my jacket that I wear. And whenever (laughs) I write about you guys, I'm like, this is a special place. So I really love what you've built. But you didn't stumble into that it was it was a long journey coming into that so you actually started your animal career with horseback riding right I did when I was young young like 17 18 teaching riding lessons I I grew up riding so I I pretty much rode every day hunter jumpers from the time I was about five until the time I was probably 20 so yeah I, I started instructing horseback riding lessons just sort of on the side for friends family members people that boarded horses at the barn where my horse lived and then switched it over to dogs mostly because horses are a lot of money and when you're 20 you don't have a lot of money unless your parents do. And mine did not. (laughs) So my horse dreams were dashed fairly early on in my life, but um, I'm I'm back into it now. So finding it as an adult is fun. And that's a whole nother blog topic, but yeah, I started with horses and it it gave a great foundation for dogs. So you got your degree. So I I know it was Robert Morris University in Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh was where you were raised. So marketing and advertising. Why did you decide to focus on that as a major? Because there was no way with the math capacity and scores that I had in testing that I was ever going to get into vet school. So (laughs) um, my dad was convinced that uh, there was no hope for any sort of animal-related career if you weren't a vet. Uh, I don't even know if he was convinced that there was if you were a vet, but my grades were not getting me into medical school. My dad was like, go for something practical, uh, like business. And so to be honest, marketing and advertising were the classes with the least math 
in college and the most speeches. So what I am really fairly good at is just getting up and spinning and talking to about everybody. So I blew through that pretty quickly. It turns out it wasn't a bad choice because <laughs> when you're doing a business, marketing and advertising, are, are, they're not bad things to have. So it was a happy accident that I took marketing and advertising. I didn't want to, but it was the least math that I could possibly take in a major. And that's where I was going. And you, you didn't take that thinking I'm going to own a dog business. Oh, so. no, no, I took that out the thing to do marketing. And I did <laughs> for three weeks, I did ad sales and I was miserable. But the thing is, is that in college, I started working at this dog kennel. I got a Great Dane puppy. I'd always wanted a Great Dane. So I get this puppy. You know, I have to take dog obedience classes, right? I find somewhere in Pittsburgh to take obedience classes. Great place. Place called Misty Pines, big, big facility in Pittsburgh, boarding, grooming, training, all of that kind of stuff. So I start taking these dog training classes, and the instructor is like, You like a dog trainer? I'm like, No. And he was like, Are you, Come on, where do you train? And I was like, I don't train dogs. I just have this dog. And he was like, You're really good at this. Do you like, do you, do you want to do this? Because we, we could use somebody. And I was like, Okay. So I started working with them training dogs, talking to people, found out that I was really good at it, just kind of kept going. So again, when I graduated school, the internship that I was with offered me a job. And I was like, yeah, this is great. I will do this. And so I worked for three weeks and I left that dog training job. I gave them my notice. I was like, I'm going to do this. They threw me a little party. There was a cake. I was like, okay, I'm out of here. Right. Um, and then three weeks later I called them and I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. And they're like, please come back to us. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> that, and that was it. And then I've just trained dogs. That's awesome. And I, I do want to point that's it's rare for you to, for anyone to have natural ability when it comes to dog training. And that, that struck me with the interview that I had with you and Dana where the internship is where you talked about, like, I can teach you the dog stuff. I can't teach you the people stuff. And that always has struck with me because our job is both, right? We have to be able to do the dog stuff and we have to be able to do the people stuff. So for you to have a natural ability, I didn't. I had to work really hard on it, but for you to have a natural ability is really special and interesting and not the norm. So I do also want to encourage anyone listening. They're like, well, I can't do it. You can, you just have to practice yeah. a little bit harder. You can. Yeah. And you have to learn your skill and listen, it, it, the, the thing with dog training that I think is really interesting is that there's a very low barrier to entry in this field. So anybody can do it. And it's at this point, a lot of times I roll my eye, like, for example, I was actually at the beach with some of my friends the other day, and we were sitting around, excuse me, and one of my friends who lost her business in COVID, she had a repo business of all things, they repoed cars, she did very, very well. And then in COVID, you weren't allowed to repo anything. So the business folded and we were sitting on the beach and she's like, I should just do what you do. I trained my dog and Immediately, I was like, please don't do this to me because I saw her dog is not trained. It doesn't know how to do anything. It's actually kind of anxious and she cranks it around on the leash a lot and it hurts my soul a little bit. Um, and she was like, would you hire me? And in my brain, I'm like, no. And in my face, I was like, well, maybe, I don't know. Right? Because she's my friend and we're having cocktails and I shouldn't. But she is like, I can be a dog trainer. I should just do that. And there's nothing to say she shouldn't. But yes, like it's, it's something that I've worked at for years and years, like for 20 of them, actually, yeah. I've been working at this yes. and I've been getting better or I don't know. 
about that, but I've been working at it. For yeah. 20 years. <laughs> well, and that that's the big thing I noticed because there's a little bit of me that was a little afraid to put videos of me training dogs on my Instagram, but I do it because I want to show my methods and show what's out there. But the second part of that is people can't as easily replicate it as you and I think they can because of how much work we've put into what we do. And you more than me, because you've got, you know, 15, you know, years. Years. Yeah. 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 But it's, I'm still working on it. Yeah. We, yeah. And we always will. And that's what kind of blows my mind when people have that mentality of like, oh, it's so simple. I can do it. You can do it. Yes, you can. But you're going to have to work way harder at it than you ever think that you're going to have to. Like the amount of blood, sweat and tears I poured into this job because I love it so much. Like I can't prepare you for that. But yeah, if you want to do it, sure. But you're going to have to work 10 times harder at this than anything else you've ever done in your life. Get ready because there's money out there for people that can do it. Like you can Mm -hmm. make a good living at it. Mm -hmm. But people and dogs will tell on you if you're not good at it. Mm-hmm. That was the big thing. And we'll, we'll talk about Uluru a little bit more, but this still makes me laugh of just like me trying to train Uluru. You're, uh, how old is she now? 12? No, like 14. God. 14. Uh, so oh, no, it's killing yes. me. All right. We're going to, we're going to come back to Uluru, but I want to, I want to get us there. So you, um, you have this job in Pittsburgh and then a few years later, you're graduated and you make a job switch. How does that happen and where do you go? I had started working for a shelter in Pittsburgh. So after the kennel, I started working at a shelter. And then um, I got an opportunity in Philadelphia to do the behavior department at the Pennsylvania SPCA. It's a pretty high profile shelter. Uh, they were also filming, filming animal pots there at the time, which I got to be a part of, which was like its whole other ball of crazy. And I got to work with a lot of fighting pit bulls and do a behavior plan for them which was really really cool and I learned a lot about that and then also just about the shelter world in general when people were relinquishing dogs why they were relinquishing dogs what different populations are doing with their dogs and I stayed there for about four years uh until it was of all things it was it was interesting what led me to do Philly Unleashed because is that what you're getting to like what led me here yes Philly Unleashed started the same time as the prison dog program and and what really happened is uh, what really happened was that I was at the PSPCA the prison program was something that one of the volunteers who was the CEO came to me and said thinking of doing this I said I'm in but also what had happened that was a catalyst was the CEO that had brought me in and advocated very strongly for me had left. And there was a new CEO that had another behavior person that she wanted in. Um, I don't know that behavior person. I'm sure she's lovely, but the CEO wanted her in and not me. It was her person from her last shelter. Ford loved me. CEO did not. So it was a hard place to be for me for a little bit. I started looking around to other shelters, but I already had just also started dating the guy that is now my husband and so I was torn, right? Because I had, I had a couple offers from a few different shelters that would have had me for their behavior department. Some of them were kind of cool. Some of them were like, meh. You know, I thought about going back to Pittsburgh. I thought about going to DC. I thought about going to Colorado. There were just a few shelters out there that I applied for and had interviews for. And then when I really started to think about it, I looked at my relationship and I looked at the contacts I had made in Philadelphia and I thought, you know, I don't want to be at this shelter anymore. And I think I'm just going to leave. And my husband said, leave or fine for now. 
if you need to figure this out. And I did. And I went home on a Friday. I quit. And I went home on a Friday. <laughs> and then uh, Monday I got up and started Philly Unleashed. And it just went. And it, it went because I worked at it. But it it went. I had enough contacts. I started doing it. And then it just started growing and snowballing. And, you know, New Leash on Life kind of came up a side of it. And that's, I mean, that's the story. That's it. And it, it seems to me from, from knowing you and hearing, hearing some of these stories before and then seeing what you've done in the past year with COVID as that threw a wrench into everything mm -hmm. that you've always been good about figuring out a new way to do things. Like you've never, no one's ever boxed you in. <laughs> no one can <laughs> you're like absolutely not and this is where i want to bring up uluru because uluru is your 14 year old cattle dog and i feel like you and her are very similar in that way too so we are, we are. <laughs> tell me about how you found uluru what her story was and how you two connected oh uluru the dog yes we'll start with that I mean, uluru came yeah. into uluru came into the pspca when i was there uh, with some other siblings, probably from an Amish breeder somewhere. Yeah, probably. Uh, she was cute. There were a bunch of them. I was like, you're cute, but I just moved here and I'm not doing this with you. And so I sent them out. I liked her because she had a perfect circle on her head. She came back like three weeks later. And I was like, what are you doing back here? Well, you're still very cute. <laughs> so, again. Um, she went out again that day because they were like, puppies and not pit bulls and that's what everybody wants right um not everybody but when you have got 99 pit bulls in a shelter and one not pit bull that people want she came back a few months later and i was like it's you again <laughs> and they say that you're not good like you're yelling at dogs you're snappy and i remember the adoption manager was like what are we gonna do with this one this is her third time here i was like yeah, I know it is. And I was like, let me just take her home for a minute and uh, let me just figure out, let me just figure out how bad she is because she's really cute and she's got this circle on her head and let me just see what's going on. So I took her home and I had Libby, the great Dean at that point, was, which was the college dog. And Libby died, like very suddenly, like was here and then was not here. And I didn't expect it. And the dog that I wasn't keeping all of a sudden was not going anywhere. And she has been an amazing companion. She's still great. Look, she is out yelling at stuff all the time, being crazy. She sleeps a lot more now. I don't think she hears much or she doesn't want to. She probably Maybe. doesn't want to. <laughs> she might not want to. She still does training a couple times a week. She goes for walks. Uh, but she and I have done a lot together. We've been through our 20s. <laughs> like She's been with me in my 20s, 30s, and 40s. She was in my wedding. We've been on vacation. We spoke at conferences. We have gotten married. I've gotten married. She was with me. I've had a kid. She was there too. You know, we've done a lot in our 13 years together. We have done a lot of things. And Uluru, the training program is her legacy. Like I know she's not going to be around forever. I hope she's around a lot longer, but she's done what she needs to. She can leave anytime she'd like. I'll have her as long as she stays. But this is her legacy. Mm -hmm. And cattle dogs are a challenging breed. Mm -hmm. to start. I see a lot of them and they all have the similar kind of tendencies to nip at the heels and yell at things and all yeah, that. Yeah, stuff. yeah, she loves all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she was the first dog that I realized some dogs were smarter than me because, 
Yeah. And she tests every new trainer. She's like, oh, you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) You have no idea. Oh, it's so embarrassing. But I, I remember watching too, just last year as COVID hit and all the trainers were like, we don't, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what this looks like. Our work is in person and watching you change things and try new things and, and build like those lives and online. And now Uluru um, virtual training has come out of that. So it's been a really neat full circle to see that happen. And it's also all tied into your advertising and marketing degree. Cause now you get to, you've been using that and you continue to use that. So how did you come up with those ideas for live classes and online online training? And how did Uluru build out of that? You know, I'm kind of ripping it off of a very famous exercise bike that is doing the same thing where they have live classes, they go on demand. If you can exercise at home, there's no reason you can't train your dog at home. And in fact, there's a lot of reason to train your dog at home virtually, right? What if you have a dog that's stranger danger and you can't take the class? What if you are like me and now you have a toddler and you're contending with dinner time, bedtime, being a good wife to your husband, being a good mother to your toddler, being, you know, there for your family, keeping that the house in order, right? And you still have to train this puppy that you got. And it's hard to get out for two hours to go to a dog training class at night. So you can do this after your kid goes to bed. There are, you know, maybe you have a reactive dog that cannot go to a class. There are a lot of reasons why you should be training your dog at home. Least of all that your dog needs to behave in your home. That's where they spend most of their waking existence is in your home. So they should learn to listen to you in the home. Yeah. And it's a guided practice, which is what I really, really like, right? It's, there's nobody leading me through it. I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is the only place you're going to train your dog, or maybe this is your practice. You're going to classes with your local dog trainer on Tuesday nights from six to seven, then you know you need to practice and it's just a lot more fun to do it in a group. Yep. The accountability. Yeah. I tried to take an in-person class this summer. Um, Did not go well for me and I need to find another option. So I'm going to sign up for Uluru as well. And it's only what, 20 bucks a month, 1995? 20 bucks a month or $120 for a year. Yeah, it's not bad at all. That's 120 for the year is less than six weeks of classes. It's less than a private lesson. Pretty affordable. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I, I love the setup. And you're also doing a collaborative care aspect as well. That's cooperative care. Yeah, we have a veterinarian that is a behavior vet. And we have one of our instructors, Alicia, who's fantastic. And they're collaborating on cooperative care. So having your dog consent to nail trims, ear cleanings, brushing, that sort of thing, which is a really cool topic. It's not a topic that I love teaching. It's, um, I feel like we all find our niches in dog training and that's just not my topic, but it's a great topic and one that we all need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that also speaks to, you have people that can do that for you. The things that you're like, all right, not my niche, but you've got what, 15 plus trainers now? plus I don't know how many exactly but yes yeah and they're all doing different things having Alicia on that was one of the things she brought up is that no no one person can know all the things and she loves having a team at Philly Unleashed that if she's not sure she can tap into someone else's brain and get some help on something that's going on yeah you bet well Nicole how can people find you oh you can find me a bunch of ways right if you're in the Philadelphia area Philly Unleashed is the in person, Nicole. But if you're not, I'd still love to train with you. So check me out at ulurutraining.com and come. I'm teaching two classes right now. It's probably soon to be three. Uh, I'm teaching a puppy class Wednesday nights. So I just got out of that. 
teaching a level two class on Saturdays, and then we're going to start a CGC or a kids class. I'm not sure which. We're going to figure that out coming for the fall. That's going to be very exciting. Awesome. Well, that was all the questions I had. Was there anything else you wanted to add? I don't think so. I love chatting with you. Likewise. Well, I'm going to do the little sign off and then I'll have one final question for you afterwards. This has been Telltale Dog, the podcast with your host, Elizabeth Silverstein, and my guest today, Nicole Skian. Music has been provided by Jim Chiago of Seven Second Chance. Find more of his work on iTunes and Spotify and stick around for after the music for some final advice from Nicole. Nicole, dog training is hard work. There's a lot that goes into it. Do you have any advice for someone just getting started on their journey or is there anything you'd wish you'd known when you were beginning? All the things I wish I knew when I was beginning. If you are just beginning dog training, if this is your first career, like it was for mine, then you're fine. Go through it. Learn the things. Never stop learning. Start at the bottom. Work your way up. My real advice is for the people that are using this as a second career you've got to start at the beginning too. (laughs) So you are back (laughs) with the 20 year old just starting. It's very, very humbling. Uh, You can do it. You just have to put all the time in.